Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled Journey God's Wrath, presented by Pastor Floyd Silva on April 14th, 2019. <laughs> Good deal. Thank you guys for the reminder. I apologize for that. Right? Thank you. It's important we say good morning, isn't it? It is. Well, grab your Bibles. If you didn't bring your Bible, there's extras under the chairs there. And we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 25. We're going to look at the first seven verses. And and there's a whole lot in this chapter that God sees. And I want to kind of bring your attention to the title of the message today. uh, Because I think it's important for us to kind of think about this as I ask a question here in just a moment. But the title of the message is God's Wrath. And in this chapter, we see a a lot of things kind of transpire. We're in a, a moment in time where we see God, the creator of the universe, the creator of the heavens, and everything we see around us express some emotion. Some, some sincere, deep emotion and some displeasure with his people. And it's to the level uh, that destruction is at the doorsteps of Judah. And he uses some very harsh words. He, he sends Jeremiah with this cup, this cup of wrath. And so before we we get into the passage this morning, I wanted to ask the question. I wanted to see what your thoughts were in regards to to God. How how do you see God? Do you see God as as just a a God of of wrath? Someone that's just kind of out to, to, to just kind of put pressure on his people to kind of hurt and, 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 and uh, this fear that you might have for him? Or, or do you see God as a, a God of grace and a God of love? You know, a lot of people say they're, they're Old Testament Christians. You know, we, we, we have this reverence, this fear of God, of this Old Testament mindset. And others will say, well, I'm a, God, I'm a Christian of, of the New Testament, and, you know, God is just full of grace, full of mercy. And, and they just focus in on this beautiful grace that God gives us. You know, many of us have kind of derived our, our opinions or our idea or our picture of God from how we were, were raised, maybe in the church or outside of the church. We have this picture of God and who we think he is. You know, what's interesting is that, that it's hard to find uh, people that, that are kind of in the middle place. You know, mostly you see people that, that uh, focus in on this God of, of wrath. You know, he's this harsh, judgmental God that just is out to get everybody. Or you see people to the very, very far right where it's just this God of all grace. And, and I can continue in my sin. I can do whatever I want. Because God is just so full of grace that he'll look beyond that. And we won't have to worry about that. Well, this last week, I, I asked a, a few people uh, their thoughts of, of what this picture of the God of the universe looks like. And here's, here's kind of some of the, the, the responses that I got. One of them was, they said this, they said, he is both. He is a God who disciplines those he loves and a God who loves those he disciplines. I have to pause here for a moment because someone snuck into my Bible. <laughs> I've got a little note here that says, we love you. So thank you. I love you too. <laughs> I've got to acknowledge that. So whoever wrote that, thank you. I love you too. Uh, maybe, maybe from a God, right? <laughs> the God of grace. Just kidding. But just wanted to acknowledge that. I can't help not look at it. 
Thank you guys. That's very nice. We love you too. But this person shared their idea and their picture of God. And they went on to say, he's just like a parent with a child. See, a parent loves the child so much that they would only want the best for them. And in his desire, they would correct any behaviors that weren't in line with a good, honoring, productive lifestyle. So I want to ask you this morning, who is your God? Who is this God of the Bible? Well, I found a few passages in Scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament, that, that kind of give us a picture. And there's, there's a whole bunch of pictures that we see in God's Word of who this God is that created us. And if you look at Exodus chapter 34 in verse 6, it says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Then Psalm 145 verse 8, it says, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 in the New Testament, it says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. See, these few passages give us this picture of who God is. It, it kind of tells us a story of his attributes, his personality. And who he is. I'm curious this morning, as you think about God the Creator, would these be some of your words that you might express in describing him? How would you describe God if someone were to ask you to give you give them a descriptive of who he is in your life? Well, in just a few moments, we're going to get a little bit of a picture of who God is, his personality, get to the heart of who God is in our passage. But before we do that, let's pray together. Father God, we just thank you so much for this morning. And Lord, we have a heart to know you. We come this morning to gather together, to encourage each other, to, to open up your word, to sing songs of praise and thanksgiving. Father, today is a day that begins a season of celebration, a season that is a reminder of your love and the hope that you offer every individual that you've created. Father, I pray that as we read your words, that it would be your voice that speaks to us. It would be your spirit that leads us. That you would open our hearts, open our eyes to the wondrous glory of your word. And Father, that we would be open and receptive this morning. We would be attentive to listen, to hear from you. Father, we thank you for this great privilege that we get to gather together. And we do this in Jesus' name. We do this because of your love for us and the constant relentless pursuit that you have for your people. Father, we give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in Jeremiah chapter 25, starting in verse 1, it says, The word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah... In the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, which Jeremiah the prophet spoke to all the people of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. For 23 years, the 13th year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, to this day, the word of the Lord has come to me. 
And I have spoken persistently to you, but you have not listened. You have neither listened listened, nor inclined your ears to hear. Although the Lord persistently sent to you all his servants, the prophets, saying, turn now every one of you from his evil way and evil deeds and dwell upon the land that the Lord has given to you and your fathers from old and forever. Do not go after other gods to serve and worship them or provoke me to anger with the work of your hand. Then I will do you no harm. Yet you have not listened to me, declares the Lord, that you might provoke me to anger with the work of your hands to your own harm. I want to ask you, what's the best way to get to know someone? Not just know of someone, What's the best way to get to know someone this morning? Well, you spend time with them. Yeah, there's this intimacy, this dynamic of of pursuing a relationship and being a part of a relationship. And as you get to know this person, you begin to love them and understand who they are. You begin to see some characteristics, some some traits of, of who this person and who this individual is. You know, my wife and I have been together uh, for a very long time. And over those years, we have begun to understand and, and still yet understanding each other's character traits. The things that we love, the things that we hate, the things that we struggle with, the moments when we're sad, the moments when we have joy, and all the things that go around having a relationship together. See, in this passage here, we see that, that we get some insight to the character of God. It's, it's just a small snippet of the attributes of who God is and this picture of the God that we worship. See, the first thing we see here is that, that our God is persistent. In verses 2 and 3, it says, Which Jeremiah the prophet spoke to all of the people of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, He says, for 23 years, from the 13th year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, to this day, the word of the Lord has come to me. Then he says it. He says, I have spoken persistently to you, but you have not listened. I wonder how long God has been speaking to your heart and you haven't listened. See, the, the, the blessing in that is that as God persistently pursues you, as he constantly goes after you, he will continue to speak to you, not only through Pastor Floyd, but through those that sit next to you, those that God will bring. There will be many that will come before you and many that will come after you that God will use to share this glorious hope. See, we know that Jeremiah was used by God to what? To restore God's people, right? He had this this restoration assignment that God placed him on. Chapter 1 tells us the story of of Jeremiah and how he was called to tear down and build up, to plant, and to pull out, and to do all these glorious things. And it's all with a heart to restore God's people. See, we see this pursuit of the people of Judah. And we see all of these beautiful attributes of God, God that are being revealed to us. And the greatest thing that I see, and I hope you do too, as you read along in Jeremiah, as you read from Genesis to Revelation, is that God never gives up. 
He was relentless in his pursuit. You might be thinking to yourself right now, well, man, I'm nobody special. God really isn't pursuing me. God really doesn't love me. I I tell you, God loves you so much that he'll go to the ends of the earth. He's willing to, to leave the 99 just to come after you. See, God is persistent in his pursuit. He never gives up. And persistence is a key attribute that we see in our God. And we see it more and more as we get to know him. Have you had somebody that's real persistent in your life? Do you know someone that's real? And some of us might call them pushy. (laughs) You know, I've I've had a lot of people in my life. You know, one being my, my grandmother. You know, there's times that I remember we'd go and hang out. My wife and I, we'd go hang out with my grandma and, and we'd just come over and hang out with her. And I lived with her for a brief time too. And we'd just sit at the kitchen table. And I tell you what, she was pushy. <laughs> she was persistent. She would tell us stories of, of her, her upbringing and how God just used these moments to, to restore her and bring her to this place of trust and hope. And then she would challenge us to, to walk in faith. You know, my mom growing up, when I was a kid, I, I didn't walk with Jesus, but, but her pers- in her persistence and her love for me, she would read the God's word over me. She would pray over me, even when I would tell her, leave me alone. Stop being so pushy, mom. I don't want to hear that right now. She was persistent. See, God used them in my life. Even today. God uses my wife. She's pushy. (laughs) But in a beautiful way. (laughs) I say that with sincerity. She reminds me of who God is in my life. She's persistent in her love for me. She's not going to give up. She hasn't given up. I want to ask you, is there someone in your life that God is asking you to be persistent towards? to remind them of an attribute of God, this beautiful picture of God's persistence in our lives? I, I mean, think about this for a moment. Think about from creation today. Think about the moment that God spoke into the heavens and they were created. Think about the moment when, when God took man and he formed him and then he breathed his breath of life into him. And the journey began, and the persistence of God, the relentless pursuit of mankind, the desire to draw them into this love relationship, into this beautiful aspect and dynamic of this word that we use called grace. See, God's mercy isn't just for you. His grace is for everyone. We see that in 2 Peter 3.9 where he says this, He says, excuse me. He says, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. See, God loves you, and it's this beautiful love. We see another picture of it in Lamentations 3, 22, verse 22 and 23. He says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Do you realize, do you think about this, that that sun 
that we see out there every morning, it rises for you. That sun rises for you. God created that for you. God uses that for you. And his mercies are new each and every day. I want to ask, who is that someone that God wants you to pursue? That God wants you to show these beautiful attributes too? Because remember, you and I are image bearers. God created us, man and woman, male and female. Genesis tells us the story. We are a reflection of who God is. And we have a choice every day when that sun comes up to be that reflection, to share those attributes of who God is, to be persistent, and yes, sometimes pushy. Sometimes saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to go out of my way. And I don't mean to be annoying. I don't mean to to push too hard, but, but I want you to know just how much God loves you, how important you are, how important I am to him. See, our God is persistent. There's no question. And we'll begin to understand this better as we begin to understand who he is, as we see this complete picture of this God of the Bible, the God that created the heavens and the earth. See, he wants to use us to remind others of this enduring love, this beautiful picture of grace. I know at times it can be hard. I know at times that doing that can be frustrating because, you know, people are people and so are you. Sometimes we do things and we respond in ways that just aren't healthy. I've got to imagine there was times in my mom's life where she just looked at me and she was probably just so frustrated. She's like, come on, kid, get this. Don't you get it? Don't you understand? Don't you see the truth? But the beautiful thing about that is just like God, our parents don't give up on us. See, the God of the Bible will never give up on you. And this is an important part, an important attribute of who our God is that we have to take on ourselves. It's that simply our God is patient. Again, think about it. How long have we been here as mankind? And I don't know how long we'll continue to be here as mankind. That's up to God. Nobody knows the day nor the hour that Jesus is going to come back. We do know that he is coming back. But we also have to understand that our God is patient. Look at verses 4 and 5 in our passage. Listen to this picture. He says, You have neither listened nor inclined your ears to hear. Although the Lord persistently sent to you all his servants, the prophets, saying, Turn now, every one of you, from his evil way and evil deeds, and dwell upon the land that the Lord has given to you and your fathers from of old and forever. You see this picture, this timeline? He says, I've sent all of these people before. All of my servants, all of my prophets. And my message has been clear. My plan has been straightforward. It's never changed. It's never deviated. He says, turn from your evil ways and enjoy the land that I have for you. Enjoy the life that I've set up for you. See, I created this for you. The sun rises for you. See, there's moments when most of us might want to give up, but patience is key. 
in every moment. I know that it's frustrating when, when someone just doesn't listen, when the, when the truth is, is just the truth, but they don't want to listen to it. See, we have to understand that, that our God is patient even when we aren't. He is patient even when we don't deserve it and even when we don't listen. See, we see here in these couple of verses that even though he sent all these people to us. You know, in Hebrews, it tells us about the great cloud of witnesses that have come before us. And what do they do? They come before us by what? By faith. See, they live this life and they, they walk in obedience to God by faith. Just like you and I today, in our patience, we should walk by faith. We should live by faith, trusting that God is at work. God is doing the things that he wants to do. And as we draw near to him, we'll have a better understanding of just how patient he is with us and those around us. Again, in 2 Peter Chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some may count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for his patience. Because there was a season in my life that, man, I didn't behave well. I'm just thankful Jesus didn't come back in that season. See, sometimes we, we cry out and we say, Jesus, come quickly. Sometimes we say, hey, Jesus, you know, why don't you just come? Look at the world around us. It's horrible. It's, it's just rotten to the core. All of these horrible things. Jesus, why don't you come? And God says, because I'm not slow to fulfill my promise, but I am patient and I'm patient because my desire is that all should reach repentance. That all should come to faith. And so Floyd, knowing this, knowing who I am, your responsibility, your job is to go where I send you. To do what I ask you. To share this faith, this hope, this patience, this love that I'm offering so that people might see who I am as God, the creator of all things. So he wants to remind us that patience is something that we have all been given. It's something that we should all use on a daily basis. How many of you have ever said, you know, I'm just praying that God would give me patience. <laughs> yeah, we can all raise our hand, right? <laughs> I tell you what, God has already given you patience. See, it's part of his character, part of who he is. And because of who he is, it's who you are. See, all you have to do is use that patience. All you have to do is apply that character trait to your life. In those moments when it's needed. In those moments when God has given you the opportunity to be patient. I want you to think about for a moment the worst thing you've ever done 
in reflection to your relationship to God. Whatever you see is all different for all of us. That moment when you maybe you rebelled against God or turned away from God or maybe you've expressed a, a lament, a, a, a frustration of anger towards God. I want you to think about that moment. And I want you to know in that moment, God offered you patience. God dealt with you patiently. See, because if he hadn't, I tell you, you you wouldn't be here today. And I say that with all sincerity because remember, the, the God that we serve is the God that holds the keys to life and death. See, God deals with us patiently. He deals with us in a way that shows his love and his grace, but it also shows his majesty. He shows his greatness. It shows his sovereignty in the world around us. See, you and I have been given something so good and so, something so special that we have to ask ourselves as a question, and it's simply this. Is God our father? you're thinking, why is he asking me that? Because I think if, if God is our father, capital F, if God is our father, then, then we, we see God in the way that God truly wants us to see him. See, we understand that there is a wrath coming from God. There, there is a moment in time when, when every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess and each and every one of us, good and bad, will sit in the presence of God and will have to account for our ways. Every word that we've spoken, everything that we've said, everything that we've done. See, is God your father? Because if he is, then you'll see him like he truly wants to be seen. See, in verses 6 and 7, it shows us that God is our father. He says, do not go after other gods to serve and worship them or provoke me to anger with the work of your hands. Then I will do you no harm, yet you have not listened to me, declares the Lord that you might provoke me to anger with the work of your hands to your own harm. You know, as I read this passage, I, I had a, a thought from a friend that shared with me years back, we, we did this little men's Bible study and he was part of it. But he said this, as we were kind of discussing what God, who God is in our lives and this picture of God the Father and the jealousy of God that God has for us as his children. And he, and he said this, he kind of made it an interesting story. So he, said, he says, I would never want my kids to call anyone else daddy. And I think that's what God is saying here to you and I. He's saying, don't go after these other gods. Don't call them your dad. Don't call them what they're not intended to be called because I am your father. I am the one that loves you. I am the one that cares for you. And I am the one that is relentlessly pursuing you and offering you this glorious patience and understanding and this hope. 
See, God wants to be our father. And I think he's created this dynamic of of family and relationships to give us this picture, again, of who he is in our lives. And the importance of us not going after other gods and listening to the things that he says. Because just like he does for us, we as parents, we as fathers and mothers, we care for our children in a way that, that we share with them and we guide them and we want them to listen to us. And we do it because we love them and we care for them. See, I get the awesome privilege of, of being a daddy, a father to my children. And, and sometimes my kids understand that. Sometimes my kids treat me as such. But I'll be honest with you, there's moments that they don't. There's moments that, that they've not listened to my counsel. There's moments when, when they've not listened to the things that I've had to, that I've encouraged them with in reflection to pointing them to Jesus. And, and I don't say this to discredit my kids in any way. I say this because it's a reminder that you and I are human, that we are broken, that we are fallible, and we need a father. We need the father's love. We need to listen and pay attention to what God is telling us because his instruction is important to us and it gives us a picture of who he is and the great love that he has for each and every one of us. So I want you to understand something. As you think about who God is, it's important for us to know as believers in Jesus Christ that all our sin, past, present, and future has already been judged on the cross. See, I tell you that this morning, and you think to yourself, well, why is he saying that? I already know that. We point to the cross all the time. We see it, and we talk about it all the time. Well, I'm telling you this morning, because I think sometimes our perception of God is skewed. We see this God of wrath. As you look at the rest of Jeremiah 25, you see God pour out his wrath, and he gives it to him in a cup. And he says, every nation will drink of this cup. Every nation will experience this cup of wrath. But we have to understand something very clearly. As believers, that cup isn't meant for us. Someone else took upon and drank of that cup for you and I. See, as Christians, you and I, we we will never be condemned for our sin. Listen to what it says in Romans 8.1. It says, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you see that? Do you hear that? There, there is a wrath that's coming. There is a judgment that is coming. Don't fool yourself into believing that there's not. Our Savior is coming again. But those who are in Christ Jesus will bow before God. Our tongues will confess that he is Lord. And that condemnation that was supposed to fall upon you and I was taken upon that right there. See, all the weight of sin, all the condemnation, all that that happened, Jesus took it upon himself. And when we sit before Jesus Christ, you know what he's going to tell us? All is well. All is well. 
See, God is our Father. He loves us. He cares about us. He is our Lord. He is our everything. He is everything we need to go on this journey of faith. The only question is how do you see him? Do you see him as Father? Do you see him for who he truly is? See, he's given us a picture of who he is. He's helping us to understand this love that he has for us. He disciplines those he loves, and he loves those he disciplines. Well, as many of you know, today is Palm Sunday. And it's a reminder for us as believers of who God is. And it's a reminder of the depth of this love that God has for mankind. See, Jesus, in his triumphant entry into the city that day, set into motion the beauty and the wonderful cross. See, the cross is something so interesting and sometimes we we kind of lose sight of how important the cross is for you and I. You know, we don't worship the actual cross in itself. We worship what happened on the cross. We worship and praise God for the cross because we know that, that our sin, the price, the penalty of death was paid for on that cross by one man. That God in flesh came down and paid a price. And today begins what we call Holy Week. A time that we remember the beautiful picture of who who this loving God is. And what he's done from day one all the way up till today. To get our attention. To remind us of this grace and this love. Again, I want to ask you, is he father? Is he your father? Are you a child of God? I want to close. If you would, turn with me to Luke chapter 19 real quick. And as we go away from here this morning and we think about what has happened for us, what God has done in his relentless pursuit for each and every one of us, I want, I want you to see this picture of what transpired thousands of years ago as Jesus entered the city. Luke chapter 19, verses 37 through 40. It said, As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And this is how Jesus answered. He says, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. See, God is God. You'll never change that. The only question, the only thing that you can change right now is God, your Father. You bow your heads and close your eyes with me. I want you to think about something for a moment here as we think about who this God is. Jesus tells us that even if the people didn't cry out, 
that the rocks would, that all of creation would worship God because he is truly God. This morning, I want to ask you, do you worship God because he is God, your father? Father, we come into your presence because we know that you love us. Father, we know that you have been speaking to us before we were even born, that you, as you created us and as you thought of us, Father, you began to prepare the way. Father, you brought people before us and you'll bring people after us to help us better understand who you are. Father, help us to to draw near in this love relationship with you, Father. See, our part is just simply to, to believe to trust, to live by faith, to go on this journey knowing that you are God and you have predestined our very steps, that you have ordained moments of intimacy between us and you, moments that we'll get to share our faith with others, moments that we'll get to invite people in on this relationship to show them your love and your patience and your kindness and all these wonderful attributes of who you are, Father. Father, but we understand a day is coming when your judgment will fall upon this earth. Father, that that many will face your judgment. But until then, Father, we know you are patient. Father, we know that, that you are at work and that you are doing things in our community to reach those that might not know you right now. Father, with that understanding this morning, we will go away from here knowing that you are Father and that there are many that you want us to touch, you want us to to share this faith with, to share this hope with. Father, next week we we will celebrate the death of your son Jesus Christ and what that means for us as Christians. We will celebrate the risen Savior and we will proclaim from the rooftops that that Jesus lives so that we might live also. But Father, don't, don't, don't allow us to do that alone. Father, don't think that it was meant for just, don't let us think that it was meant for just us alone. That there are many others that need to hear the good news. That there are many others that need to know that you are not just a harsh judge. That this this cup that is before the people, Father, this cup has been drinking and has been drunk by, by a man named Jesus, your son, our savior. Father, that their sins can be forgiven too. Father, but as your people, it's our responsibility to share that hope. It's our responsibility to be a reflection of who you are. So Father, I pray that this week and as we go away from here, that we would be bold in proclaiming your goodness, your love, your grace. Father, that we would share the hope of Jesus Christ with the world around us. I thank you. For those that are here, Father, I pray that you would touch them, that you would bless them, that you would encourage them. Father, if there is hurt in this room, Father, that you would bring healing. Father, if there are marriages in this room that need to be restored, Father, that you would restore them. Father, if there are children in this room 
that are searching and seeking and don't understand and don't know you right now. Father, that you would draw them near to you. Father, no matter what our circumstances are today, Father, that we would hear your voice and we would call you Father. We love you. We praise you. Thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ, committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.